Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. It's so good to see everybody. If we haven't met, I'm Pastor Jesse. I'm one of the associate pastors here. I lead life groups, young adults, a couple other things. I get Pastor Kevin's coffee. And um, it is great to be here. I'm so excited for this morning. I love preaching. I feel like God gave me a word. And you know, I was just reflecting this morning. I'm so thankful You know, um, some of you know our story a little bit, but we moved over to Cleveland from the Detroit area about two years ago. It was about two years ago today, I think. And uh, we really felt like God wanted us to be in Cleveland. We didn't know why, and so we moved. Uh, My wife, four kids, I did not have a job, so it's kind of a crazy faith decision. And uh, we were on the beach, Lakeview Beach, four days after moving. And there was a guy next to me. We met each other. He happened to hear that I was a pastor, and he said, my church needs a pastor. And the church was Harvest Ridge Church, and the rest is kind of history. So uh, just so thankful, so thankful. You do something crazy for God, and he really does have a way of meeting on the other side. And, you know, it's kind of, it's just incredible thinking about all the different blessings God has given us since we moved and also the opportunities I've had to preach the gospel in a place when I knew nobody, you know, and just jumped. And, and so I'm just thankful, thankful and honored by this opportunity this morning. So let's pray together. Father, thank you. You are good to us, God. You are the one that keeps your promises. You're the way maker. And Uh, We just love you, and I pray that as we look at your word this morning, that you you would do what only your spirit can do and turn our hearts, change our hearts, move our hearts with with compassion, with love, and with your power to to just be Christ to the world. And so we just give you the rest of this service. It's your time. We're, We're looking to you. We're continuing our worship. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. I got a couple jokes for you here. Let's see. How did the constipated mathematician solve his problem? He worked it out with a pencil. That's a good one. That's a good one. It's a good mental image to get us going to the scriptures, you know? And then uh, we're staying right in line with the potty jokes. Um, What happened to the Indian who stayed up all night drinking tea? Well, he drowned in his teepee. (laughs) Okay, a couple things you need to know as we get into the message today. Number one, we are doing our At The Movies series, but my clip is going to come at the end. So some of you that already have your movie ticket, your popcorn, you just got to wait till the end for the clip, okay? But it is going to come, all right? I didn't forget. Okay. Second, this is a message on evangelism. 
So you might feel a little uptight when there's a message on evangelism, thinking, wow, the pastor is going to tell me I need to go tell everybody about God, and I might be uncomfortable, and I want to make sure you know right off the bat, that's exactly what I'm going to be doing, okay? And um, the third thing is this. At the end of the message, I'm going to give you a specific response step where you can come and get prayer from one of our leaders at the church. And it's going to be basically a commissioning moment where you can say, I want to renew my spot in the Great Commission to go into the world and make disciples. And so instead of you having to sit there at the end of the message feeling guilty because you're not telling people about Jesus or trying to inspire yourself because we talked about Isaiah and I told a story about somebody that got saved because somebody told them. You can do those things. Don't feel too guilty. But um, you're gonna, your, your response is going to be to come and get prayer. Okay? Get prayer. Have a leader lay their hands on you. Pray for you that you will go and you will make disciples. And hopefully the the word today will help us kind of learn how to do that. So we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 6. And you can go right there in your Bible. And I wanted to tell you that I I met a kid, uh, well, he's 23, so he's not a kid, but now that I'm in my 30s, everybody is becoming kids, okay? And so, uh, and I have five kids, so there's, I see kids all the time. And so I'm talking to this this young man, and he was working the tennis desk, and I happened to have a tennis match. I did lose. I'm very sad about it. But I was talking to him, and he said a couple things that really, really, were interesting and notable. You know, I began talking to him and he asked me what I did for work and I said I was a pastor and that does give me kind of an easy on-ramp to ask the person if they go to church or if they have faith. So I use that one all the time, especially when they ask what I do, right? I'm not like, hi, I'm Jesse, I'm a pastor. Do you know Jesus, right? So he gives me that opportunity. So I'm talking to him and He says to me, I go to a non-denominational Christian church. I've been there my whole life. In fact, I just led at VBS. And I was like, this is awesome. We're going to have church right now in a tennis club. Let's go. And then he says to me, but I don't share the word of God with people. He's very adamant about this point. I don't share the word of God with people. I let my life do that because I'm kind and, you know, I try to be like Jesus. Now, here's the thing. I am glad that he's trying to be like Jesus. We have enough Christians that struggle showing Jesus with their life, even though they're wearing the identity of a Christ follower and disciple. So that's good. I have no issue with that. The problem I have with my new friend is that he's saying, I don't share God's word with people. That's a problem. It's a big problem. And then he went on to say, I said, well, hey, if you died today, are you certain that you would go to heaven? And he said, well, yeah, I think so. I don't really know, but I have a kind heart. God help us. If you think that your kind heart is going to get you into the presence of God forever, 
you are so mistaken. So mistaken. If our good works and our community service and our kindness could get us into heaven, why did Jesus have to die a brutal, gruesome death? And I did warn that young man before I left. I talked to him. I did it in love. I did it gently. We had just met. But I told him, you're going to stand before God. And you're going to have to answer to him. And you need to be born again. Born again. Not get your heart a little kinder by going to church. And so if that's new for you, I hope you know that this whole thing that we're doing right here is Jesus died because we can't get to God. The cross is a bridge. And if that is very difficult for you to understand, keep coming and read your Bible. I want to encourage you to do that. And before we get to um, Isaiah 6, I wanted to share a couple of statistics that I think really are showing we need to move the church outside of the walls and get our evangelism muscles going. First of all, today, or at least as of 2021, about 65% of Americans call themselves Christians. Now, if you rewind to 1990, studies were showing as many as 90% of people in America were calling themselves Christians. Now, I did some math. I believe that would equal out if you took that 25% as a number, about 80 million people that would say, not a Christian anymore. That's a big exodus. And picture if those trends continue, where we're going to be in another 35, 40 years. And then recent studies said 65% of Christians say they have not shared their faith with someone in the past six months. Hmm, interesting that we have a 25% decline in Christianity in America, isn't it? Because our lips are zipped. There's a problem. There's a problem. And we need to start working on this problem. And then the last one I think is super encouraging. 60% of the unchurched that were surveyed said they would be very interested to hear about a Christian's faith. So about two-thirds of the people that you're around want to know why you're a Christian, why you go to church on Sunday. They would be happy to hear from you, you explaining to them the gospel. So there's still spiritual hunger for Christianity in America today. I would say, especially through COVID and everything, people are hungrier than ever for something, something that's real, something that gives me some life, something that gives me some hope and some joy. And look no further. We have it, guys. We have it. We have Jesus living inside of us. We've got it. A couple of you right now need to smile like you have Jesus in you. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 6. You know, let's stand in honor of God's word. That would be good. Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. 
With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying. And they called to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Isaiah was in the throne room. Verse 5, Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. That's the title of my message. Send me. Father, we need you. We need you, God. We want you. We want your presence here right now. We want you to be close to us. We're asking for your Holy Spirit to begin to fill us with your desires. Thank you for your word. God, would we begin right now to have a response like Isaiah where we hear your call and we say, here I am, send me. Pray it in Jesus' name, amen. I think there's a few things that we see, you can sit right down, there's a few things that we see in Isaiah's encounter in the throne room in Isaiah 6, he began being a prophet that can really help us in our evangelism efforts. Number one, he saw God. You have to see God. I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. What an awesome picture that Isaiah shared with us. The seraphim. I don't even know what a seraphim is. And they've got these eyes, and they're flying. And I'd be like, that's pretty cool. But you know what they're doing? They're not saying, it's cool that I'm flying. They are in awe of the holiness of God. Holy, holy, holy. You know, in God's presence, the only thing that you and I would be able to say, if we could even speak, would be holy, holy. Because of his power. The one who speaks in the earth is formed. There's power. Don't ever forget he's holy. He's other. The train of his robe fills the temple. He's not just the turn the other cheek teddy bear Jesus. He's holy. And he's mighty, almighty. The kings of the earth bow to him, to the ground. We have to see God. When you see him, you begin to want to work for him. When you see the Father, you want to get in the Father's business. You got to see him. I remember the first time I saw the Mississippi River. You know, I had heard my whole life about 
the Mississippi River. People would say, you know, this is the best whatever on this side of the Mississippi. And I'm like, it must be really long. I don't know. But when I saw it, holy smokes. You guys seen the Mississippi River? That thing is so wide. It's wider than most lakes that I see. The trees and the cavern walls up the sides. And I, we're, we're on the bridge on a road trip looking over. And I was just like, whoa. I was like, M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. <laughs> that thing is big. And I would tell you easily now, if you haven't seen the Mississippi River, you need to go see it. If you haven't seen God, you need to go see him. You need to go see him. You need to see Jesus. You need to see the love in his eyes. You need to see him on the cross where he was crying and dying for you. You got to see him. You might have to take your eyes off some other things to see him. I'm thankful for men like Isaiah who went before us who did that. And they saw him. You know, the woman at the well, she saw Jesus and then she came back to all her friends and she said, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? There's a great tip in evangelism right here. You're not trying to get people to see you. You're trying to get them to see Jesus. You're trying to get them to see Jesus. I was talking to a guy the other day at a coffee shop. And I said, hey, if you died today, would you go to heaven? You think you would? And he said, well, I've been really good. He, he does all these 5Ks. He organized 5Ks, some for causes. And my community service, I think I could get in. You know, there's like a back door for the people that run 5Ks, right? <laughs> and... Uh, Or he's just going to run by. He's like, I'm in, you know, I'm in there. And I said to him, I said, listen, if your community service, which I'm really glad you do that, if that could get you into heaven, why did Jesus have to die on the cross? And he was like, whoa. I went to the restroom, came back. He was still dazed by the question. I'm not kidding. I am not kidding. And I realized the religion was so strong with this guy, I wasn't going to be able to communicate. I tried to talk about the grace and forgiveness of Christ. He, could, he wasn't getting it. And you know, so I prayed for him at the end. And you know what I prayed? I prayed, God, would you show him why Jesus died for him? And here's the point. Evangelism is trying to get them to see Jesus. With that guy... I just prayed at the end that he would see Jesus. I'm trying to get him to see Jesus, the one that died for him. So we need to see God. We want people to see God. I've been listening to this worship song lately by MBL Worship, Met by Love Worship. My eyes have seen the King, and I can't look away. We have to also see our sin. We have to realize our depravity in our deficiency, that we're completely dependent on him. Isaiah 6, 5, woe to me, I am, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. That word ruined means I'm, I'm destroyed. 
I'm cut off. I'm done. I'm seeing how holy God is, and I see myself, and there is a huge gap there. Have you been convicted by God over your sin? Or have you allowed the enemy who the Scripture says holds the whole world under his sway, have you allowed the enemy to come and sear your conscience so you're not convicted to your sin? We have to be in a position daily where we are convicted that there's a holy God and we need, we're dependent on Him. I was battling stress and anxiety the other day and I went to pray. And the Holy Spirit said to me, you're stressed because you're trying to do things that only I can do. You know, maybe you're a Christian and you would say, I'm not smoking and drinking anymore. So I'm good. No, 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 no. The sins are in the motives. They're in the self-dependency. So the Holy Spirit just told me. You need to get dependent on God. I can't do anything without Him. Woe to me. I'm a man of unclean lips. I need help. Frog. You got the frog over there? Frog. Fully reliant on God. That'll preach. I like frogs. Okay. Isaiah 6, 5. See, you see God... You see your sin, and then you have to see your surroundings, what's really going on around you. Isaiah 6, 5, Woe to me, I cried, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. We have to realize that we are in a culture, Paul said, the world in its current form is passing away. It's not getting better. Like with each new iPhone, it's not like, we're going somewhere. We're not. We're not going anywhere. There's nothing new under the sun. We're spinning our wheels. And the reality is that we're headed for God's judgment day. The world in its current form is passing, and that's the world that we're in. Don't forget the world that you're in. A crooked and perverse generation. Are we participants or pilgrims? Without holiness, no one will see God. You say, I just haven't felt his presence lately. I just haven't seen him. Maybe you need to see how your holiness is doing. Because without holiness, you're not going to see him. We need to be broken. Two things on this point. One, we have to make sure we're not joining in. Heaven is our home. I know we have our homes nicely landscaped, but we are just passing through here. Heaven is our home. Jesus, if you're saved, he went back into carpentry for you. I want to go. I, no more Ryan Holmes. I want to go to the one Jesus is building. You know what I'm saying? They need to take a break anyway. North Ridgeville is getting overcrowded. 
the second thing, so we're, I don't want to join in. Remember, the enemy works through deception. The whole world is under his sway. Have you gotten back, even though you saw God, have you gotten back into his sway? Let me stay here for a second. Friendship with the world is enmity toward God. Yes, we maybe aren't sharing the gospel with people because if we're locked in with the world, we're at enmity with God. You're not going to go around broadcasting about somebody that you're at enmity with. And then the second thing is, as we begin to draw into him, just come to him, just come to him. You have compassion for the lost. Oh my goodness. People are hurting. They're broken. They're, 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 in, they're trapped in their sin. They're dazed and confused by the world and its system. And I found Jesus. I found the answer. I want to try to share that with them any way that I can. We have an hour of prayer Saturday mornings. It's a good way to come out of the world for that hour and pray for our church and for our community. We, we issued a challenge in January. Come, if you, this is your home church, come once a month. I want to encourage you. We need some people praying. Would you make some time once a month? I tell Rachel, once a month. You're not going to see me on Saturday morning. I'll be at the church. I got five kids. If I can make it, you can make it. And so... 8.30 to 9.30. I'd like you to be there. Then we have to see the cross, okay? Isaiah saw the coal. It's a pretty cool coal. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. Then one of the seraphim flew with a live coal in his hand. And he took the tongs from the altar and grabbed it. And he touched my mouth and he said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. How many people right now, you need your guilt taken away and your sin atoned for? Yes, every day. Every day. The cross of Christ is what takes away our guilt and our sin. I remember when I came to Christ in a real, real way. Like, I, I was in church, but when, when I really got my call from God to be set apart, summer between junior and senior year, I'm worshiping. The Holy Spirit came, convicted me. I said, oh my goodness, I started thinking about all the things I was doing that God would not approve of, and just so thought about how I was just dishonoring my parents, and, and, I, and I said to God in that moment, I said, how can I fix this? And I heard God say something, and he gave me a picture. He gave me a picture of the cross of Christ. And he said to me, you can't fix it, I forgive you. And I started to feel the guilt, the burdens, the hiding, the secrets start to fall off my back. Whew. There ain't nothing like freedom. Walking in the Holy Spirit. And I remember... That night, after service was done, I just cried up at the altar. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Forgiveness. We're not preaching 
anything but forgiveness. You're in a mess. Okay. Do you know you can't fix it, but there's one who can. He forgives. He forgives. And He'll help you rebuild. And then finally, we need to answer the call. Then I heard a voice. The voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Do you know that this call is still going out right now today? God is calling from heaven. Why does it say us? He's with the Holy Spirit and Jesus and God. And they're calling together at heaven's round table. Who will go for us? What does God hear? What does he hear crying back from your heart? What does he hear? Is it crickets from you and I? When everybody else calls to us, can't text them back fast enough, but God calls, and we're like, oh, I'm just so tired. I've been so busy. I've been busy. I've been so busy. How you doing? Just been so busy. Been so busy. We're going to get to the judgment seat of Christ. Peter, the pearly gates are really cool. I've been so busy. You got any tickets left? I mean, come on. Let's wake up a little bit. And Isaiah didn't, didn't say, okay, here I am and, and I'm going to go change Israel. He just said, here I am. Send me. The Holy Spirit of God is going to call you, but He's also going to be with you every step of the way as you go. He's the anointer. He's the empowerer. He's in front of you, behind you, on your sides. The only one He can't use is the one that just sits on their butt. Or the person running around in circles. I'm so busy. So busy. So much going on. You should see my life. There's two options. You can study the scriptures forward, backward. You could read it upside down. I don't know what you need to do. There's two options. When we get to that day, when, when you and your friends and I stand before God, it's either well done, my good and faithful servant, or away from me, you worker of iniquity. There's two options. We want a theology where there's this middle ground, where everybody goes to purgatory. Oh, my, my, my uncle will be fine. He'll be fine. My best friend's fine. They're just, they're, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. Peter, he's a good guy. Jesus said, no one is good. No one is good. He's not a good, your buddy is not a good guy. Come on! Wake up! I'm telling you, we have to wake up! We have to wake up! Somebody somewhere needs to wake up and answer the call. I'm beside myself. I cry for the church. 
<laughs> Can somebody wake up, please? <laughs> somebody. Answer God. Jesus said, when I come back, will I find any faith on the earth? You got to believe again. You got to believe he's the way maker. You know, I was reading a couple, maybe two years ago, I was reading about the five loaves, the two fish, and just got such a revelation in that story. I said, God, so we just have to bring our five loaves and two fish. That's it. The Holy Spirit whispered back to me and said, there's so many in the church today that won't even bring me that. So good. He wants to partner with us. And that really, it's convicting, but it should be an encouragement. He's just asking you to bring your five loaves and your two fish. There's cards in the seat in front of you that invite people to Harvest Ridge. Just use your cards. Grab your cards today. Start praying for some people that you can invite to church to come see Jesus. He's done so much in my life. Take a step. You know, I was praying for one of my neighbors um, back in Metro Detroit for a long time. David, he, he, um, the problem that he had was he positioned his house right in front of the window that I would pray at. So when I didn't know what else to pray about, I prayed for David. I remember one time I went and um, <laughs> I was so overcome with a burden for David. <laughs> he was in his car. They were smoking weed. They were so high. And I knocked on the window and I was like, David, you need to, you know, believe in Jesus. And uh, it's actually great to, talk, to witness to high people because they're very agreeable. <laughs> and uh, so I don't, I don't think he came back to Jesus that night, but... Um, yeah, I might have gotten a little high from that experience. They were baking in that car for a, a bit. But anyway, um, David, if you end up watching this, I do love you so much. Um, and so I just kept praying. And one time I was mowing my grass pretty close to his house. And the burden of God came on me so much for David, I ended up actually getting on my knees, stepped away from my lawnmower. I got on my knees, started praying for him. And the Holy Spirit said to me, he said, don't pray for David to be saved. He's a lost son. And it's interesting, you know, there is an art when you're praying for the lost to really get in the spirit and figure out what you need to be praying for. And I would encourage you, the people in your life that you're burdened for and you want to see come to Christ, Take some time, wait with God, get in the spirit so you can learn what you should be praying. And for that specific one, it was, God was saying, 
you're, you're interceding for him to be saved. The issue is that one was already answered back when he was a child. But he's a lost son. So I changed my prayers and immediately I started to see, see changes. And um, he just started getting warmer with me. We were developed a friendship. And it was pretty cool because I was already started here at Harvest Ridge. I got a text one day. And, uh, and he said, I did a thing today. And it was a picture of his baptism. He got baptized. And, uh, and now, yeah, praise God, praise God. And, um, you know, David, David texts Rachel and I all the time, like holidays and stuff. And, you know, how are you guys doing? So good. I got a new girlfriend. She actually loves Jesus and telling all this stuff. And I give God all the glory. Um, you know, there's a lot of times where I wish I would have approached people differently or prayed different or did, tried to do something different, but not everybody accepts it. And um, I just wanted to at least give you an encouraging story that it really can happen with a neighbor, a 20-something-year-old neighbor that doesn't seem to care about anything, right? And uh, God can do miracles. We have to believe. It does take time. It takes time. It takes commitment. And so I want to end this way. We're going to have prayer leaders, um, some deacons, uh, Pastor Matt, prayer leaders are going to come up front. They're going to line across the platform here. And what I really want you to do is I want you to take a few moments, and the, the worship team is going to come also at this time. And what I want you to do is kind of just make an altar right in your, of your seat. And take a moment and think about what is a challenge that you want to take up in response to this word. What is a challenge that you want to take up? So I'll tell you what my challenge is. Um, you know, I try to have one Jesus conversation a day. One Jesus conversation a day. It can look different. It can, it's with all kinds of different people in different places, but I try to have one Jesus conversation a day. So what I want you to do, if you're an extrovert in this room, I would challenge you to make the same challenge for yourself have one Jesus conversation a day. You'll probably miss a day or two here and there, but just try to have that as one of your punch card items on the list of things you want to do. I want to work out for 30 minutes a day. Okay, I want to have one Jesus conversation a day. And then if you're an introvert like my wife, you might go more for once a week or once every other week. One thing I would encourage you to do is a good challenge for an introvert would be this week, I want to pray for like a set amount of time for the lost. So maybe two hours. So 15 minutes a night or whatever it is, I'm going to pray for the lost. Next week, I'm going to try to have an intentional conversation with one person. Okay? The extroverts, we talk too much to make prayer commitments. No, I'm just kidding. But you also want to say, okay, five minutes in the morning or evening with my devotions, I'm going to intercede for the lost, and then I'm going to use all these words that I have plenty of, like me and, and all, the, all my extroverts, and I'm going to start having one Jesus conversation a day. And so I want you to do that. Take a moment, and then here is your response, okay? We, we see the need. I hope and pray you see the need. What I want you to do is take a step and get prayer this morning over yourself that you have been commissioned as God's ambassador. Prayer over that challenge. And if there is a person in your life that you're close to that you are burdened for, share it with these prayer leaders and they'll agree with you.
okay? So we're going to give a little bit of time for this. And so I'm going to pray. And then as soon as you're ready, you just come right up and you get prayer from that prayer leader. Jesus, when he sent him out two by two, he had a moment where he gave the authority, okay? Commissioning. This is a commissioning ceremony right here for you. Paul and Barnabas went out. They laid their hands on them. They prayed for them. And then they went out to pray for what we can't do. God can do in us. So let's stand together. And if you need to sit for reflection time, that's fine too. It's kind of free form here. But come get prayer when you're ready to get prayer. And so God, we give you this time. We give you this time. We're saying right now, here I am, Lord. Send me and use me. In Jesus' name, amen.